For self-managed super fund is essentially a superannuation fund which is established and managed by the members themselves. So with a self-managed super fund, you can invest in property, you can invest in bonds, you can invest in precious metals, you can buy gold bullion, you can have term deposits, you can have managed funds, you can get a share trading platform by a Comsec or any of the banks. The opportunities increase. The other reason is that it, a super fund can actually borrow money. So you are actually increasing the power of your super in terms of investing by being able to use the power of borrowing and leveraging. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of She Renovates. Now, today we're going to be talking about self-managed super funds and property. And I've invited Lena DeMarco. So Lena actually started out as a cadet with Cooper and Librand and while she and did a Bachelor of Business at UTS. And she has worked her way up, uh, deciding to work for smaller accounting firms. She developed a passion for small business and empowering women in financial literacy and business management. She's always been an advocate for gender equality in the workplace. Awesome, Lena. You're right up (laughs) our street. And in 2005, she established her own firm and and for many years has also been an educator at TAFE Digital, imparting her accounting business and management skills. Lena then became a senior partner at private firm before establishing Adamus business solutions. She is a a member of the Chartered Accountants Association, is also an appointed Justice of the Peace, a registered tax agent, and ASIC-approved self-managed super fund auditor. She's also currently president of the Self-Managed Super Fund Auditors Association of Australia and a panel member of Inspired Women, which is how you and I met. So That's right. Well done, Lena. That's a very esteemed list of credentials and thank you for sparing the time to be with us. No, thank you for the introduction and I'm really excited to be here. One of my goals and and as you said, as you mentioned, one of my passions and driving forces is to educate women in financial literacy and this is part of it is here today. So yeah, thrilled to be here. Beautiful. So what I think we will do and Before we start this, I'm going to preface this by saying I have never really been that interested in self-managed super funds until I realised that when you get to a certain point in your life where the income from your self-managed super fund is not taxed. That's correct, isn't it? Correct. Absolutely. Yes. So we definitely have to talk about that because that's flipping amazing. So now, you know, the younger women that I coach, I say to them, I know it's a pain, but this is what's going to happen in the future. So get as much money in there as you can. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to go back to basics and tell us what is a self-managed super fund and why would you set one up? Sure. So a self-managed super fund is essentially a superannuation fund which is established and managed by the members themselves, okay? You can have up to six members in your self-managed super fund and they don't have to be blood-related. 
okay? So you can even do this with a bunch of friends, for example. And the reason why it actually works very well is because the way we do the accounting and the fact that it needs to be audited, your contribution to this fund is extremely transparent and dollar for dollar is calculated um, to each member, okay? So you can completely keep track of your member benefits, which are then audited, okay? Yeah. So there is complete trust in the fact that you're putting your money in with other people. You don't have to, but the option is there and you can track exactly what's yours and you can withdraw that benefit at any point in time, okay? The reason why most people set up a self-managed super fund is to have control over their retirement benefits. And that control comes in the form of many aspects. With the level of super employer superannuation contributions increasing annually, that 11.5% is now forming quite a decent contribution every year. And the set and forget about super is sort of going out the window, okay? So in terms of having that control, you can basically dictate where you want to invest your funds. It allows for a greater choice of investments. So with industry funds, you're limited to the share market. So you've got 100% of your assets just subjected to the share market, which is an investing 101 no-no. We don't put all our eggs in one basket, but we are forced to be doing that with the government, right? So with a self-managed super fund, you can invest in property. You can invest in bonds. You can invest in precious metals. You can buy gold bullion. You can have term deposits. You can have managed funds. You can get a share trading platform by a Comsec or any of the banks. The opportunities increase. The other reason why people set up a self-managed super fund is that it, a super fund can actually borrow money. So you are actually increasing the power of your super in terms of investing by being able to use the power of borrowing and leveraging, okay? So if you've got a $200,000 balance in your industry fund, your shares are only 200,000. But in a self-managed super fund, you can use that 200,000 to invest in an asset that's 650,000, right? Yeah, it's amazing, right? isn't it? That's the power of leveraging, okay? Yeah. Some of the other reasons that people also invest is, is that flexibility. So we can make quick changes to investments. If we've got a, an underperforming asset or an underperforming investment, we can quickly change that to, to make it into a performing asset without too much of the administrative burden that you do with industry funds. So can I just ask, so you mentioned that you could set up like with Consec a trading platform. Yes. My understanding was that in super you were not able to trade. Is that not correct? No, you can. You can definitely buy shares outright in a self-managed super fund, just like okay. you can buy crypto. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. And my few clients, my few young clients who like to dabble in there and do my head in with the crypto, but there is yeah. no prohibition, right? There's no prohibition in terms of also developing property in a self-managed super fund, yeah. as long as it's not geared, right? So when you're borrowing to purchase a super fund, borrowing to purchase a property, that's where we have limitations on the amount of, I guess, renovation or change of that asset. So when you're borrowing, you can't significantly change the asset. So we can't sort of buy a block, block of land and build on it or buy an old house, knock it down and rebuild. But you can do cosmetic changes to improve that asset so that you can increase the rent. So you can put in a new kitchen or a new bathroom, that's fine. You just can't substantially change it. But if you are one of these lucky people who 
have saved really well and you've got a really decent amount in your super, you can actually use that super to buy a property and renovate it or build a duplex or do whatever as long as there's no borrowing involved. Yeah. So, so once again, yeah. So once again, it just SMSF opens up that opportunity. Now, the other benefit um, is that the superannuation fund is only taxed at 15%. So it's an extremely low tax environment for wealth building. And when you get to retirement stage, all the investment income is taxed at zero, which includes if you buy a property and then you sell it to be able to fund your retirement, guess what? No capital gains tax, which is huge when you're buying property outside of super. Okay, so. They're just a couple of the, the reasons why people um, set up a self-managed super fund and they are getting extremely popular. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see why. Now, early on in my business, I used to work with a financial planner because obviously our women need to have. And he said to me that he wasn't going to be working in property anymore because he was really concerned that the government would, he wasn't going to be recommending property anymore, that the government was going to change the rules that would make his advice like outside the guidelines. What? Right. So where is uh, that coming from? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, look, we've got the risk of the government changing legislation in any aspect of tax, yeah. really, right? You can only make decisions based on what the current tax yeah. laws are. Look, Back at what was it six or eight years ago when we had an election coming and Labor was going to get rid of negative gearing, right? So that didn't go too well because they didn't win that election, right? And I think that was a big no-no. So I, I don't yeah. think that the long-term strategy of the government is to really crack down on property. In fact, they are encouraging. They yeah. put all the sort of planning processes in place to try and encourage people to build more, more houses, build more units, yeah. because we're at a shortfall, right? So I'm not really sure where that was coming from. There's always that fear that the government will change the rules. But what we tend to find is when they do do that, it's not retrospective, yeah. right? So if you've yeah. already done it, you've bought a property, those rules are generally grandfathered going forward. Yeah. yeah. Any new fund that might be created would have to adopt those new rules. That's yeah. generally what happens. They're not going to sort of just go back and go, oh, yeah, anyone that's done this in 10 years, we're going to change it. Like it, it just, it, yeah. that's not how it works. Yeah. So I'm not really sure where he came from from that aspect yeah. of it. I mean, there was some issues with property spooking and all of that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. 15, 20 years ago. But well, it's still there now. now. Well, it is, but it's not. I think people are, are generally more informed and more well aware. Sorry, Lena, and not. oh, really? Oh. No. Well, look, the, the financial planning rules are, I guess, are a bit tighter, and, and there's a bit more regular re- regulation around that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. But look, it's our job to educate people. That's why we're here today. So, look, going forward, there's nothing, I guess, on that we get because we do get insights from all our, obviously, the associations and our tax bodies that we're members of in terms of what the government is looking at or I haven't really, the property issue hasn't come up at all. The only thing with super really is the issue of potentially increasing that 15% tax rate. I think that is a very easy thing for them to do very quickly, but still will be still would be met with quite a lot of political backlash so yeah. you've got to be careful yeah so are you able to give advice around investment advice 
Look, I've got a limited financial services license, which limits me to advice on self-managed super funds and superannuation yeah. in general. Okay. So I work with other planners. When we have clients that have excess funds in their self-managed super fund, I work with other financial planners because the amount of products out there are just endless and it's just too much. And I just yeah. don't, to be honest, I'm just not interested in looking at all the different individual you know, share, like no. that's just a full-time job in itself, right? Exactly. So I prefer to sort of leave it to the experts. If um, a client has got an extra 100000 after their property and all of that or 50000 whatever, um, we go to a financial planner and say, look, come up with a share portfolio or managed funds or, um, and then they, and they will do the product-specific advice. But I can set the fund up, put all the frameworks in place, help you with all the compliance, do all the accounting, the regulatory stuff every year. We work with solicitors, we work with property brokers, we work with everyone. And so you really have a team of people supporting you and that team are experts in their own right. Yeah, absolutely. So I find that one of the problems there is around getting advice about anything that you're going to do is that almost all the financial planners are affiliated with a company or yep. have, are getting commissions so you you you're really looking it's hard to find someone that's au fait with property have you yeah. got any solutions for getting around yeah that? look the the planners that i work with um obviously the planners need to be licensed okay yeah. so they need to come under like a licensee uh, we generally want to find planners that their approved products are very broad. So yeah. most of the ones that I deal with have very broad in terms of managed fund access through various platforms. So I'm happy with that. With yeah. the property side of things, most of them deal with property also. So they won't make recommendations about a particular property because usually the clients work with a buyer's agent or yeah. they've already got a property in mind. Most people, when they set up a self-managed super fund and are looking into property, they have already either had discussions with a buyer's agent or have made their own research. So they sort of know, look, we really want to pursue this from a property aspect. Yeah. So the planners that I work with are, are property savvy also in terms of they will include that in their statement of advice. But generally, if they've come to me because I can give that advice, I will do the, the basically statement of advice to get that property underway. We don't need to go elsewhere. No. We only go elsewhere when we want to look at managed funds or shares or that sort yeah. of stuff, and they want someone else to manage that. They don't want to do it themselves. But if you're happy to set up your own ComSec trading and you want to directly invest in a Vanguard fund or quarry fund, you can do that on your own. You just fill out a form and you send the money off, right? So you don't need to incur all these financial planning costs if that's mm. what you want to do. Because essentially a lot of these planners, that's what they do. They put them in what we call passive investments, right? They're not actively managing that share portfolio for you. The average person doesn't have enough for a broker yeah. to be on call and calling you, yep, this has gone up. So we call them passive investments because the brokerage, well, the, the managed fund platform, so say the likes of Macquarie, they've got their brokers and their advisors determining what the product choices are within that fund. So you just put your money in a managed fund and it does what it does. Yeah. So to get a planner to do that when you can do it yourself, I mean, no, no, crazy. But when it yeah, comes you... when it comes to property, let's say yes. like for the moment I'm looking for a studio around mm -hmm. in the city. And yeah. and so I've had a conversation with my accountant and he has said to me that you can't do the renovation yourself. So 
Correct. So yes, which seems a bit counterintuitive. Someone can buy shares themselves, but they can't buy a kitchen sink. Yeah, it is. It is. When it comes to renovating, the, the issue is the actual legislation that's preventing that is if you are providing your skill and benefit in something that you would do, I guess, outside of super, and I know this is something that with the share trading you can do, the, the super fund cannot benefit from the expertise that you have as a member and trustee, which okay. is ridiculous. So, for example, I'm an accountant. I charge my own self-managed super fund a fee for doing the accounting, right? I mean, I shouldn't have to because, like, I just do it in my spare time, but I do, which is ridiculous, right? But yeah. that's the rule. The super fund cannot benefit because it's a low-tax environment. They don't want people accumulating too much money in there, right, when that money should actually be used for example, that accounting fee, that money is taken out of my super fund and I'm having to put it into my business, right, and being taxed normally. Yeah. So the way you can get around that is that you can renovate it, but you're at arm's length with people, okay? So you can hire a builder to do that, right? You can hire a tradesperson to go in and, and do whatever the renovation is. You can't just use your personal exertion and your personal effort oh, okay. yeah. to do that, right? Yeah. But you can engage people to do the renovation. Right? Yeah. You get it, the cabinetry workers and so forth. Mm. Ideally, they prefer that you put a builder in place to manage it yeah. so you can't really be seen as being the project manager right? Okay. because that would be a cost that you would get a builder to do and they would manage that project. So. If you were able to get an invoice which or a contract which said that, yep, this person is going to do the renovation, that's fine. You just technically can't go in there and and, and do the work yourself. Yeah. Everything's got to be at arm's length with a self-managed super fund. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so what are the common pitfalls that people and mistakes people make with self-managed super? So I, I guess... One of the pitfalls is what they actually think about self-managed super funds. Often people don't even go near it because they think, oh, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have enough money, it's a sophisticated investment product for the rich and famous, right? No, it's it's not. Most of my clients are your average middle-of-the-road income earners earning well under 100000 each who have been able to set up self-managed super fund with my assistance and being able to run it successfully and be able to buy a, uh, a property. So it is a product that is available. Yes, the ATO said there, that there is a, an increased uh, level of involvement that's required as opposed to putting your money in an industry fund. But with training and education and support of an advisor, we just take you through that process. Um, yeah. The first year is probably the hardest, and then after that you just get used to putting your records in the right order. You just get used to doing what, what you need to do, just like when you do your annual tax return, right? Where a lot of people go wrong, some of the common things that happens is that you accidentally withdraw, make a payment out of your super fund bank account for a personal expense because essentially your money's sitting there in a bank account for you to access, right? And that's why it gets audited, to make sure that people aren't, members aren't taking money out unnecessarily and for the wrong purposes, right? Yeah. Because it's for retirement benefit. Look, when that happens, look, we normally pick it up at the when we're doing the end of year accounts 
And it's usually not too much of an issue. We just tell the client, we'll put that money back in. The auditor will say, look, there was a contravention, but it's been rectified. So it, it's not a really big deal, especially if they're just small amounts. So that's something that often is done by accident. We've got a couple of questions before we move forward, Lena. Yeah, um, sure. The first one is, what advantages are there for couples with self-managed super fund? Look, there are lots of advantages. As I mentioned, one, a couple of the reasons why people set up self-managed super funds is the advantages are that you have your control over your super, you have a wider range of investment choices. Depending on where you are in, in your, your life cycle, we can potentially reduce the tax rate from 15% to zero on investment earnings, which definitely does not happen outside super. The other advantage that I mentioned that I didn't mention earlier that's just popped into my head is if you are a business owner, your self-managed super fund can buy your business premises, okay, and you can pay rent to your business. So you're paying rent to yourself rather than paying it to a third party. So that's another advantage. And even when you decide to shut down that business, you still have a property that your commercial property you can lease out to other people or you can sell it and reinvest it. And if you are in pension phase when you do that, there's no capital gains tax on the sale of that investment property, okay, of that commercial property. So the advantages over just leaving your money in industry super well exceed any of the, I guess, compliance costs in running super because yes look that there are fees in running a self-managed super fund but there are also fees okay so you're looking at look to do the annual financial statements um and tax returns you know you're looking at about twenty two hundred dollars to do all that compliance work the audits are generally around the 350 mark then you've got ASIC fees and ato fees so you're probably looking about three thousand a year in terms of administrative costs. But having said that, all managed funds charge a management expense fee, which is a management yeah. expense ratio based on your funds. So often when you actually do the calculations, you're not too far off in terms of it's not significantly more to have your own self-managed super fund. And the yeah. benefits absolutely outweigh that. And look, and the issue with having everything in the one basket and especially where you are in your life if you've got everything in managed funds, and this is just a 101 of investing in, in any, I guess, environment really, and you're about to retire and we have a stock market crash, which is something you can't predict, but it did happen, clients can lose 30% of their super. So their yeah. retirement plans go out the window because yeah. they don't have enough money to actually be able to withdraw to then retire, right? So... I can't stress that enough is diversify your portfolio, have a little bit of everything, have a property, have a bit of shares, have some money safe in a term deposit, especially now term deposits are giving us a decent return. So that's that's what a self-managed super fund allows you to do, allows you to mitigate investment risk as well as all the other advantages. Awesome. Now, I've got another question from Fiona Toon. She said, you may have covered it, but not exactly. When having work done on a property in an SMSF, does it have to be called maintenance or can it be labelled as renovation? Yeah, well, look, you are allowed to improve your your, your property, right? It, because the, the sole purpose of the super fund is for retirement benefit, okay? And your investment strategy is very important in determining what that super fund is doing. If you have a property, obviously you want to get the maximum rent, right? Yeah. So if... Putting in a new kitchen, improving that, you are able to do that. 
you're yeah. not significantly changing. You're not putting in another story. You're not putting in a granny flat. You are actually increasing the value of your retirement benefit. So, yes, you can say it's an improvement. Normally, you try and from a tax aspect, we really want to sort of have repairs and maintenance because it's a better tax deduction. So from a tax perspective, repairs and maintenance are sort of treated a bit more favourably. So if you're just sort of putting in just so replacing the toilet, that's repairs and maintenance, right? Yeah. When you're doing significant, like putting in, say, a new bathroom, your tax deduction is only 2.5%. Yeah. So definitely you want to, look, you have to basically do the right thing. And if you are replacing that bathroom, then it is, a, it is an improvement. And it's okay to improve your asset to be able to get a better return. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Now, two more questions. Is sure. there an age barrier later in life where SMSF is not worth it? it? Look, it really depends on what you are trying to do and what your investment strategy is, okay? If you are um, later in life and you're generally a bit more cashed up from the super side of things, you can yeah. set up a self-managed super fund and buy a property. Because the reality is we are living longer and you may retire at 65 and potentially live to 95. So that's a 30-year gain on that property, Yeah. right? So if you were to buy that outside super and then sell it down the track, you'd have capital gains taxes as an individual, but you don't do that. You won't have that in a self-managed super fund. So it really, it, it's hard to sort of do a blanket yes or no. It really depends on the individual's circumstance and what they are investing in. If they were going to just invest in managed funds, I would sort of say, well, look, you could, you could do that quite easily without the headache and without the cost in an industry fund, right? Because you're essentially, you need to take out a pension. So it does get to a point where we do shut down self-managed super funds when we've liquidated a whole heap of assets and, for example, we're just holding cash, there's no point. There's no point. And if your yeah, account's trying to hang on to get those fees, there is no point. You may as well withdraw that money. Just put it in a term deposit in your personal name and just save yourself that those costs. Yep. So it is a definitely a conversation that needs to be had with, with the individuals just to sort of work out what they're trying to do, where they are and what their investment strategies are. And then you can make the, the right choice of, as to whether it's the right investment vehicle for you. Yeah. Awesome. Now, I've got a question. Rolling over money into a self-managed super fund. Mm -hmm. uh, we've, we've been trying to do it for at least two months and yep. getting away fast. You got any mm. tips on that? Yeah. So the government a couple of years ago introduced a new, a new legislation called SuperStream which was meant to really make the rollover process quite seamless. It was meant to take about three days from the request and it just hasn't really worked that way. So definitely if you're still doing it paper-based, it does take longer. We no, have the software. Sorry. Are oh, you doing it through SuperStream too? Well, our yeah. accountant is, yeah. Correct. You, need, you can't really do it yourself anymore. No. With the SuperStream process, it's about, I guess, depending on how often you do these, you start to realise what funds are going to ask for what. So most of the funds, unfortunately, your likes of your REST and your HESTA, are still asking for a signed wet signature form. They want certified ID. They want a copy of the bank statement of the self-managed super fund. So what we try and do to try and speed up that process a little bit, a little bit more is to just try and have all that up front. We, we know they're going to ask it. 
So we have it already, get the client to sign, send it off, have it in the system with their, with them, and then we do the super stream request. But look, our experience has been that, look, it's taking a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably about a month. Um, because the other thing too is unfortunately these super funds, industry funds, where every time you do submit a bit of information, it goes to a call centre and they won't necessarily ask for everything at once. <laughs> Right. So you'll get these piecemeal requests. And unfortunately, yep. with these requests, it takes about five days for them to action every single request. Okay. So, so every time I it's think five days. It's ridiculous, yeah. So what yep. we've been trying to do, because it's frustrating for me too, it's frustrating to keep track of who's what at what, what stage. Um, so we just try and get all that paperwork done up front, have it all ready, send it in, and then do the super stream request electronically. Right, because if yeah. you do the super stream request first, they'll come back and say, no, we need this, yeah. this and that. And it's got to be a wet signature. That's the other thing too, which is frustrating yeah. in this day and age is needing wet signatures. So yeah. that's just something that I guess from practice of what we've done that it's that we found it's helping a little bit. Yeah, okay, awesome. So is there anything that I, like we could talk about this for hours, but um, yeah. is there anything particular that I should be asking you that I haven't? I think I think it's important for people to know that, look, there is a little bit more um, time and effort involved in setting up uh, and running your self-managed super fund. Um, but if you've got a good accountant and a good advisor to just help your hand through it, um, it's not an overwhelming task. And as I mentioned, I have clients who aren't degree qualified or don't sit there behind a computer all day and are completely capable of running their super with with my assistance and support and we, we tell them what we need done. So it is an avenue that is available to everyone and and I guess my goal is to allow people to, to have that extra property purchase. And sometimes individuals have maximised their borrowing capacity as individuals. So the other advantage is that your super fund, you're creating an entity, creating a new borrowing capacity. Yeah, right. that's um, awesome. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that they probably, I think we've touched on the main issues today and, some of the pitfalls and the advantages and being quite objective in that. There's just one thing I wanted to add and something that we have found is because we're pulling together a class project, some of our members are actually investing in that project from their self-managed super fund and yes. and which I think is like really amazing because... Uh, yeah, yeah that, it's, it's something that can be done um, if you've got the right um, structure in place and yeah. so... Some of my clients, for example, um, have they'll know three or four different people um, with three or four different super funds, and the super funds all contribute into a unit trust, which then goes and buys a property and they renovate and and flip it or hold it as a yeah. rental property. Or it allows you to buy, I guess, more expensive properties. Or rather yeah. than buying a unit, you're buying a whole unit block. So yeah, lots of yeah. lots of planning opportunities with that. Also, yeah. Absolutely. Well, listen, Lena, thank you so much for your expertise today. It was a bit touch and go there, but we got there in the yeah, end. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I don't know that's right. what's that's, that's, going on. Um, that's the way we roll. We just roll with the punches. Yeah. Yep. Um, can I just ask you, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, we'll put your contact details in the show notes, but do you just want to yep. let them know how you like to be contacted? Yeah, absolutely. Look, feel free to send me a text 
So my mobile number is 0404 I prefer that than people leaving messages because it takes me a while sometimes right. to get onto the voicemail, but the, the text I will see. Alternatively, you can send me an email at lena at adamus.com.au. Um, happy with either of those methods. Um, I will be going overseas tomorrow, so I will be back on the 4th of October. So if you want to try and contact me after the 4th of October, it would be better because I, obviously I'm not going to be able to get back to you in the next week and a half. But, yeah, they're the main avenues. And, uh, yeah, love to help you out or have another discussion or more detailed discussion. Really want to help people in this in this area. Thank you so much, Lena. So take care. Thanks, Bernadette. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.